You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody and welcome to the VFL Players Lounge. It is Tennessee and it is Missouri coming up today at noon Eastern. Tennessee, of course, fell in Athens to Georgia last week. Still in a great position in regards to the college football playoff rankings, coming in at number five with three very winnable games left on the schedule. First up is Missouri and the Missouri Tigers. That's coming up later today again at noon Eastern. Uh, the VFL Players Lounge is presented by the Volunteer Club. It's powered by Spire Sports. Can't thank them enough for um, all their contributions and helping us do this game day podcast here at VolQuest.com. In today's podcast, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to break it into two segments. We got two VFLs on, but it's going to be a more of a one-on-one type deal. And first up, we have Brett Kendrick joining the show. First time this season. Brett, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Well, when you sit back here as a as an alum and you know as a former football player here at Tennessee. And you see what Tennessee is accomplishing this year. Man, how does that make you feel? I bet there's a lot of pride there, right? There is a lot of pride. I think some <laughs> maybe a little jealousy too, man. I wish uh I wish we could have got things rolling like this. We had it rolling a few times while I was there and uh I don't know, the wheels kind of came off the bus, but uh man, I couldn't be more proud of these guys. I still know um some of the guys on the team and um still talk to some of them. So I'm I'm happy to see um that we're playing so good and uh and i'm just i'm loving it as an offensive lineman i like to ask this question i mean you guys you guys spread it out a little bit whenever you were there but the tempo aspect how much of a challenge or is it kind of exciting seeing this offense go and knowing that if you were blocking for this offense just looking over seeing that defensive lineman seeing him tired i mean what do you think about playing offensive line in this offense i think it's definitely a challenge i mean uh you're, we, we used to try and make it go like this, but we, we never had that kind of luck. So uh, we were never anywhere near this fast. So watching them, I kind of feel bad for them at times. But uh, I think it's definitely good. Um, it keep, keeps the defense um, on their toes. And obviously, you know, we wear them down pretty quickly. So, I mean, it's definitely effective. And um, But it looks tiring from where I'm sitting watching. Well, when you look at what Tennessee's accomplished so far this year, um, you know, number one in the college football playoff rankings last week, of course, the loss to Georgia, uh, sitting at number five. What do you like about this outlook in terms of, I mean, Tennessee's still making the college football playoff. I mean, there's, you know, they're, they're still sitting in a really, really good position. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it was kind of the perfect storm the other night when um, Clemson and Alabama both lost after us. So um, I think that that kind of set us up. Uh, maybe is an easier path to get in, um, having both those teams fall. And, you know, hoping now that Georgia wins out and beats LSU in the SEC championship, it kind of just gives us another week off. So if we end up making it to the playoff and, um, you know, we miss out on the SEC championship, that's that's just fine. Well, the end goal is a national championship, and uh, that's definitely still intact. 
Well, I want to go back and talk about that Georgia game, obviously, because it's fresh on the mind. But um, man, it was it was being hyped up as you know the game of the game of the century, game of the season, you know, all that until Ohio State Michigan plays, of course, because then that'll be the that'll be the next one. Um, it, it it's disappointing the way it ended. Of course, you going down there and. I mean, the offense was stalled out, didn't score a touchdown to the fourth quarter and all that. And credit Georgia. Georgia's a really good football team. Kind of how do you bounce back? And, and you know, seeing the leadership in that locker room, I don't think they're going to have any issues doing this. But kind of how do you bounce back from such a disappointing game but still knowing that, hey, you go out here and you you play your game the next three weeks, you're still sitting in a really good position to, to still get in the playoffs and accomplish your goals? Yeah, and um, like you said, like you touched on the leadership. I mean, I think Hendon Hooker's a great leader. I think that they've got some good leaders on the offensive line with Darnell and um, Jerome, and I think Cooper's done well. And, um, I mean, you just got to look at it like that wasn't the end of the world. Like, I mean, Georgia had our number last week, but we were also, I mean, a couple of overthrows that Hendon's not really missing those throws very much. We're a couple of overthrows away from two more touchdowns. So, um, and obviously being right in that game. So um, you just got to look at it. Uh, you got to move on. And uh, we got three very winnable games. But, I mean, everything that that we wanted and everything that, that all the goals that they had to start the year, I mean, that's just right out in front of them as long as we um, control what we can control and keep winning games. Continuing to look at that Georgia game, crowd noise obviously was a factor. I mean, give them credit. I mean, that, that place was – I mean, it was deafening. I was in there and I could barely – you know, talk to the guy next to me, and the, the Wi-Fi was off. It was really hard to do your job, uh, but it was a really good uh, environment for college football. As an offensive lineman, I understand, and Hendon kind of spoke on this, I think it was Monday this week, you're supposed to be watching the ball. I get it. But in speaking with Ramon Foster, who played at you know very high level for a very long time, saying, hey, you're focusing on this guy in front of you, doing your job and everything. I mean, you got to hear, right? How do you work through that crowd noise as an offensive lineman to hear the cadence, to hear your quarterback, and how can Tennessee – I mean, obviously it's going to be better this week here at home, but if Tennessee runs into that again, potentially, how do you work through that? Man, it's tough. I've, I've seen uh, – we've only had when – I, when I played, we only had trouble one time, um, and it was at Florida. We couldn't seem to, like, hear a clap. We, we couldn't seem to – I mean, we, we tried all different kinds of cadences, and um, we eventually moved to uh, holding hands – essentially like the guard and the tackle would hold hands and the guard would be looking inside at the ball. Cause as a tackle, it's, it's so hard to be staring inside at the ball. And then as soon as you see the ball move, having to look out and see a guy that's three times faster than you are. So that's really a nightmare. And uh, you know, but that's one of the tough parts about going on the road in college football and credit to Georgia, their fans were ready for that. And um, But you know, there's, there's gotta be ways around it and, you can mix up the snap count, but I mean, once you start getting yourself, when we have like eight pre-snap penalties, you start getting yourself behind the chains against a really good defense. No. That is not a fun place to be at all. Yeah, I mean, it affects the way you call games on on third downs. I mean, it's it, it truly is, and I, I've said it a couple times this week. I mean, those false starts, I mean, it was on first downs, first and fifteen. It was on third downs, third and two becomes third and seven. I mean, it was just. It was awful. Now, I do got a question kind of on that. I, oftentimes, I, I don't see it from this group, but in football in general, I see the guards slap the center when to snap the football. T- tell me what that's about. Yeah, so usually the center um, has got to make protection calls and things like that. So the guard sometimes, <laughs> speaking of Ramon, Ramon used to do it uh, with the Steelers. He would be totally standing up out of his stance, turned around looking at 
Ben waiting for him to give him some kind of like a point or something along those lines. So then that way the center could be looking up and making calls. Once that guard gets the point, he reaches over, smacks the center. And usually the center's got some, some sort of like head turn or like head nod or something, which is supposed to be a key for him to snap the ball. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew it was something along those lines, but I've always just kind of wondered, um, you know, we never did it when I played, of course. And, um, and I know this group doesn't do it, but I do see it from time to time. Um, yeah. Overall with this offensive line, you kind of mentioned it a little bit with the leadership capabilities of, uh, you know, Jerome Carvin and, and Darnell Wright. What have you liked from this group? I mean, you know, Tennessee did not play well against Georgia. Um, offensive line didn't play well against Georgia, but the offensive line has been really good this year. Um, I think Cooper Mays has grown up a lot. Jamonte Spragans has grown up a lot. Darnell Wright is playing himself into a, a day two, you know, draft pick, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, you got Jerome Carvin, who's just steady Eddie over there. has been here a decade. Uh, what have you liked about this offensive line so far? Well, there's a lot to like. I mean, I think they played – I mean, obviously they play very fast. That's, that comes with the offense. But, man, they're physical. Um, you know, they're not just, like, spreading guys out and not moving them. I mean, they're moving guys down the field. And Spragans is one of my favorite players to watch. He plays with so much energy and um, passion, and, and that's fun to watch. And um, I know we've had a couple different guys in at left tackle with Mincy and Crawford, and those guys have done a great job too. But, they're I mean, they're protecting Hendon and um, making him look good. And, I mean, it, there's a lot to like about this O-line, and, I think they've, they've been together for a little while now and, you know, they're really starting to gel and, you know, knock on wood, they haven't had a bunch of injuries. And that's a big part of O-line play is, you know, given, getting five guys to play together every week and mesh. And, um, you know, I, I can't say enough for how good they've been doing. How is it um, – you mentioned, of course, Mincy and Crawford. They have been flip-flopping here lately. As an offensive lineman, say you're Jerome Carvin and – you know, maybe it helps because it is Jerome Carvin. This is, I mean, he's a fifth-year guy or he's a, he's a veteran guy. How difficult is it to, with, with the cohesiveness and the, the gelling of that unit, to have a position that's flip-flopping around a little bit? Or is it not that big of a deal? Um, it's probably not that big of a deal. I know they're getting a lot of practice with it. I think Mincy's just been hurt uh, um, the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it was a knee or ankle. I saw him limping around. But um, I know those guys are getting to practice together, and I think it's more of a problem when it's – you know, a couple guys. Um, but as long as it's just one guy and you know those two, I think Crawford and Mincy were pro- probably battling it out during uh, the summer to see who was yeah. starting. So I'm, I'm sure Jerome got enough practice with both of them. But you just don't want to have guys flip-flopping all over the place and, you know, every other series type of thing. How good is Darnell Wright from your vantage point? And, you know, is he a guy that, you know, what, what do you think about him as uh, an, an NFL a prospect because I think he has shown versatility the last two years, but you know, he came in with so much hype and I mean, he's playing like it now. Yeah, he is. He's kind of grown into uh, the player that everybody thought he might be coming, coming straight out. And um, you know, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. I think he's a no brainer day two. Um, and maybe even day one, he's got great size, got long arms. He's athletic. Um, he's powerful. Seems to play play with good pad level there there's a lot to like about that kid and he's really showing it I'm not sure if he's I think he still hadn't given up a sack so um you know he's playing the best football I've seen from a UT offensive lineman probably since Jawan James that's some high praise right there you know it's funny um and this is kind of a talking point this week but against Kentucky 
Hendon held on to the football a little bit, held on to the football, and then took an unnecessary sack. And Darnell Wright turned around, and they he, they, they joked about this. Hendon did in, in media saying, yeah, me and Darnell got into it a little bit because that was his guy that sacked him. But it was like he was holding on to the football for like seven seconds. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, And, and you know, yeah, we, I – we give those coverage, give those up to coverage sacks. We don't take those on us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so, you know, coming up later today, uh, it's Missouri. And, you know, Tennessee's looking to bounce back. And this Missouri team, it's 4-5, and 2-4 and four in SEC play. But defensively, it's a pretty good unit. I mean, it's, you know, top 15 in the country. So greatly improved from a season ago. We got a really nice linebacker in Hopper, a transfer from Florida. Got some veterans in the secondary. Added a Clemson transfer at cornerback. Really good with McGuire, defensive end, um, Missouri, and you know I, I want to ask you, you know Missouri's not that old in terms of being in the conference, but go back to your playing days. Tell me some of those memories against playing the Missouri Tigers. Well, a good thing for us, we're not playing at Missouri because that's not a very fun place to play. It's no. gray, and I, it feels like you're down in a bowl and it's cold. So, a uh, good thing we're avoiding that. But Missouri, whether they were really good or you know, mediocre, you know, middle-of-the-road team, they always seem to have somehow, like, just studs on defense. I've never seen anything like it before, but they always have a couple defensive linemen or a linebacker that is like, wow, we we have to worry about this guy or we got to put two guys on him or something. So um, I've watched Missouri a good bit this year, and you're right, their defense is stout, and they're going to be tough, and um, you got to come out and, and try and put it on these teams early and put teams like this away because I mean whether they make a bowl game or not if they beat Tennessee that'd be the the best win of their year um no matter what so you know the the question was asked earlier this week uh in a, in a press conference setting you know did Georgia show the blueprints on how to slow down Tennessee's offense and I mean Georgia did some good things of course and and you know they deserved to win the football game they were they were better than Tennessee but Tennessee I mean we mentioned earlier eight pre-snap penalties seven false starts I mean, Tennessee just did so much to kill themselves. What do you think Missouri will try to do to slow down Tennessee's defense uh, coming up later today? I mean, do you think it's going to, you know, Georgia was able to say, hey, I'm going to cover you man on the perimeter. If you beat me, you beat me. If you get by me, I'm going to grab you. You're not going to get a cheap touchdown. That's kind of what Georgia did. And Georgia Healy Ringo is really, really good. Missouri still isn't as good as that. So I don't think they can, I don't think they can exactly do everything Georgia did, but I think they'll try to mimic some of those things, don't you? Yeah, I think so for sure. And and I was gonna mention Ringo as well. I mean that's a that's a great player. And Georgia's got NFL guys all over that defense that I mean, especially in the back end that Missouri does not have. So um while you can try to mimic some of their scheme, not everybody can just uh say we're gonna play one on one on Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. That's um, you know, people aren't going to be able to do that. Alabama wasn't able to do that. So um, while there is some good things to take away from that Georgia game for other defenses, uh, it's just it's just won't be possible for for every team to do that. The only team going forward, even in the playoffs, or if we have to face Georgia, um, only team that's going to beat Tennessee, in my opinion, is Tennessee with the way our offense is. So how do you see the college football playoff rankings? I mean, of course, Tennessee was going to drop some. Uh, Georgia went up to number one. Ohio State, Michigan, two and three. TCU goes in there at number four. Um, if Tennessee, if there's any gripe, it should be Tennessee's at four and TCU at five. Kind of what did you, I mean, Tennessee's still in a good spot, of course, but how did you kind of take that? Did you think Tennessee should have been fourth or do you think the committee got it right for this week? I definitely think Tennessee should have been fourth. I mean, 
if TCU wasn't better than a one-loss Alabama team, I don't know how they can be better than a one-loss Tennessee team. And um, not like we lost to Georgia at home. We lost to Georgia at Georgia. And while the final score might not have been indicative to how the game went, um, you know, we still lost. If you look at the score, we lost by 14 points. And all of TCU's games haven't been indicative. The scores haven't been indicative to how those games went. Um, they played a, the third string quarterback last week against Texas Tech in the second half. And um, the week before that, they played West Virginia and they had fourth and two with 15 seconds left and, and threw a deep ball and scored um, to win by two touchdowns. So um, I do think that, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I do think that the committee missed this one. And um, I think Tennessee, Tennessee should have been four, but, you know, hopefully – um, if things work out like they did last week, uh, TCU get a um, get a taste of their own medicine, and maybe uh, Texas will put it to them. That's the only time I might cheer for Texas. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of orange cheering on the orange this weekend. That's for sure. That's right. And I mean, you know, TCU they they they've got a good record undefeated. They've got four rank wins. You know, the, the resume outside of Tennessee's looks pretty good. Of course, strength the schedule is not there, but they do have Texas. They've got Baylor coming up. I think they have Iowa State they're going to be challenged the last three weeks of the season, whereas Tennessee has already been challenged. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens there. Um, a couple more questions for you. I know, I know you got to run here, but you blocked for a pretty daggone good quarterback, really good quarterback. Tennessee's got a really good quarterback right now in Hendon Hooker. What are some of those similarities you see from Hendon to Dobbs? And, you know, how cool is it that Tennessee has got a guy that can go? And now you're seeing you got a quarterback, you pair that with a lot of other things. I mean, you know, you're, you're one of the best teams in the country right now. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the quarterbacks definitely make teams go. So you saw that um, when Dobbs left us, um, you know, in 2017, we had some issues at quarterback where, I mean, two guys were battling and we just couldn't figure it out. We struggled. So, um, but you're right. You look at Dobbs and Hendon, um, both cerebral players, um, Obviously, Dobbs gets a lot more talk about how smart he is because of his major. But I think uh, football-wise that Hendon's right there. He's been in college a long time, and he's played a lot of football, seen a lot of things. So, obviously, that, you know, the similarities there for that. I mean, they're both great runners. Hendon scares me a little bit when he spins. Um, I don't want to see him get hurt. But no. uh, they both they both run very well, and they're slippery and hard to get down. So, um you know, I, you can't say enough good things about Hendon. We haven't seen a quarterback, um, you know, in the Heisman race. We haven't had a Tennessee player in the Heisman race, I guess, since Eric Berry. So um, he's been special this year, and I know it's coupled with how good Heupel's offense is and um, how good Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman have been. So, um, you know, there's not enough good things to say about him, but he does remind me, and I, I'm sure a lot of other people have Dobbs. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the guys who have taken snaps since Josh Dobbs, but I mean, you know, it's it's been a minute since you had elite quarterback play, and I mean, that's what Tennessee's getting in Hendon Hooker, and it's so wild too because, you know, Hendon was brought in by Jeremy Pruitt, Josh Hopple gets in, you know, 14, 15 practices, see what he has, and hey, we need some more help at the quarterback position. You go get Joe Milton, that doesn't work out. You bring in Hendon Hooker, and then off to the races. It's just, uh, it's funny how things work. All right, man, crazy. Last couple of things for you. Running through the T, how when you see that now watching it or when you go to a game now that you're done playing, is it emotional for you? I mean, I mean, just I feel like that's one of the most 
unique, maybe one of the coolest things all in sports, college, NFL, whatever, is running through the tee. What's it like watching that now as a spectator than running through it as a player? Yeah, it's it's fun to watch it now, man. They've, they've done so much with the stadium, and they've gotten the new lights so the night games, um, you know, when they turn out the lights and they run with kind of the orange lights on the field, man. It's, it's a special place to be. Um, as a player, it's special to come back as a former player. Um, yeah, there's probably nothing I wouldn't give to to go out there and run through it one more time and play another game in that stadium, man. It's, um, I mean, it's the best place on earth, in my opinion. It's yeah. um, special to me. I, I worked hard to get there, and being a Knoxville kid, I think it might make it even more special. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt about it. All right, man, bold prediction for today. It can be... Tennessee scores 60. It can be, you know, Hendon Hooker runs for three touchdowns, whatever. I want a bold prediction, and then I want to score predictions as we uh, say goodbye to you. Okay. I, I My bold prediction is that our defense is going to hold them under under 10 points. So a single okay. single uh, single digits for, for our defense. They've really been coming on recently, so I'm expecting them to keep that up today. I like that. All right, so defense under, under 10 points. What about a score prediction, Tennessee-Missouri today? Um, I think we're going to really put up some points. I think we got some stuff to prove. We got to get Hendon back number one in the Heisman. So I'm going to say 48 to seven. Woo. 48 to seven. That easily covers the 20 and a half point spread for Tennessee. Yeah, I like go, it. go ahead and go ahead and bet on the 20 and a half point spread. Okay. All right. We got it there from Brett. I like it. Hey, thanks so much, man, for stopping by. Appreciate it. And uh, as always, man, the door is open. Anytime you want to come back. All right. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. All right, that is Brett Kendrick, VFL, former offensive lineman for the University of Tennessee. All right, so great stuff there from an offensive lineman perspective, from a former ball perspective. We're going to get into some Missouri talk continuing on. We're going to have Kevin Burnett, former linebacker for the University of Tennessee. He will join me next right here on the VFL Players Lounge as we continue on for Tennessee and Missouri. But first, of course, the VFL Players Lounge, it is presented by the Volunteer Club, powered by... Spire Sports. Let's get a word in here from our friends over at Spire. The game has changed and Spire Sports is here. With name, image, and likeness arriving, your orange fandom can now be put into action. Visit thevolunteerclub.com and become a member. 90% of every dollar generated through the Volunteer Club, powered by Spire, will go directly to athletes to improve the student-athlete experience at Tennessee. It's not just about winning the next game. It's about next season. It's about the next generation. It's about the Tennessee legacy. Join at thevolunteerclub.com. That's thevolunteerclub.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. All right, so like I said, it's a little bit different this week on the VFL Players Lounge. Normally we have uh, you know, two VFLs on at one time, but kind of doing a one-on-one, one-on-one situation this week, but it's still a whole lot of fun. We heard from Brett Kentrick. We got the offensive line's perspective with the crowd noise and inside that huddle and blocking for a guy like Hendon Hooker. Let's go to the defensive side of the football this week and a VFL and a guy that I, I remember, you know, growing up watching play linebacker at the University of Tennessee. Kevin Burnett um, now joins the VFL Players Lounge. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How you doing? Man, thank you for, for having me on. I greatly appreciate the opportunity, man. Doing well. Trying to, to uh, embrace the sunshine. You know, they said we were supposed to get a hurricane and ended up it turned a different way. So we got a bunch of sunshine today. Definitely happy for that. Yeah, down there in Florida now, of course, you are the head coach of a high school and you're, you're teaching and you're coaching and instructing young men. You've got some division one talent on your football team and uh, you know what's that and we'll talk Tennessee of course but kind of what's that been like I mean you spent your whole life playing and you know college and then had an NFL career and now you're teaching the next generation it's got to be pretty surreal right yeah it's it's fulfilling you you we all have a higher purpose uh and, and you know wanting to see people do do well in life and you know I was fortunate enough to play the game for a long time so now to be able to give that knowledge back uh, to to the younger generation, you know, these are the guys who are going to carry the legacy with Tennessee football and programs around the nation. So it's it's definitely good to be able to give back uh, one and two to be able to coach and uh, teach and preach the game that you love. How much have you learned now as a coach to where you're like, man, if I knew this back then, man, I was such a little, I was such a little, uh, for lack of a better words, crappy little player oh, yeah, to your coaches, yeah, right? Yeah. How much have you learned? Uh, so what I try to do is, is I try to give uh, the boys the advice I needed when I was their age and try to teach them the lessons that I'm still learning uh, as, a, as a 39, soon to be 40-year-old man. And, but you don't want them to learn it the hard way. So it's like, look, you can learn it one or two ways, easy way or the hard way, but you're going to learn it. And if you don't learn it, you're going to continue to go through the same thing until you learn it. So, hey, let's, let me give you the lesson and hopefully you can pass the test and move on and graduate uh, to the next level and phase of life. And, uh, some listen, most listen, you know, you may have one or two that don't or want to test the water and that's okay. That's part of the learning process. Uh, but I, I kind of take a different approach. I want to, I want to give the guys, what did I need when I was his age? What does he need? What is he crying out for? Uh, what is he saying to me? What is the question? I try to give him, you know, all those things that, uh, at its appropriate time. But those are the questions I try to answer. When you look back at your playing career, really good player at Division One, Power 5, SEC football, went on and played uh, a couple of years in the NFL, which is really, really awesome and fulfilling. You know, is, is it nothing but gratitude to, to have all those experiences and to play the game that you love? And, I mean, I guess now looking back, it's it's got to be really, really cool to think about all the places you went playing, just a, just a game of football that is meant to just be for fun, right? Right. Um Going back and looking at it, you know, you can't do anything but be happy and grateful because you could have been doing a million other things. Uh, a mentor friend of mine mentioned uh, to me the other day, he said, listen, you know, when you look at it, you got a better chance of being struck by lightning than playing in the, the NFL. And so yeah. to have uh, not not only myself, but uh, both my brothers playing in the NFL, it was like, whoa, you know, you, you got three brothers that played in the NFL and then uh, – my nephew's on track to go. So it, it's really exciting, man. It's, it's it's exciting. And you, I think 
the biggest lesson I teach the boys is to embrace the opportunity because they don't come around often and they don't last long. So, you know, you figure your NFL career is this long, so you might as well enjoy it while you're there because odds are you're not going to be there forever. So obviously you're a busy man, okay? You're you're running a, a high school program. You're coaching on Friday right. nights, and you're mentoring and teaching these young kids, and you got a whole lot of other stuff going on. But I know you every single Saturday. You're sitting down. You're trying to find that Tennessee game, and you're watching. I asked this to Brett earlier. How much pride – you always have pride. But right. this year in particular, seeing Tennessee get back and, and winning big-time football games and you know having a chance of making the college football playoff, how much pride do you have in your alma mater right now? First, the guys from California don't go to Tennessee. So I wear the, the the orange with pride. I always say, hey, real men wear orange. And I say, real men wear Tennessee orange at that. To to see us, particularly in the state of Florida, uh, play well at, at this given time, at this day and age, you know, whereas, you know, look at me, see me. I get to just flaunt my Tennessee stuff and nobody can really say anything to me because, hey, we beat Florida and we're getting ready to go to the college football playoff. So uh, it's kind of the might as well say I got an S on my chest. I like it. I like it. Hey, so, you know, obviously last week Tennessee fell for the first time this year at Georgia. Right. You know, Georgia's best team in the country right now. They look like it. They played like it. As a leader in that locker room, um, what's the bounce back mentality? What's this week of practice been like for Tennessee, in your opinion, if you were there trying to say, hey, we got three games left on the schedule. We right. should slaughter all three of them. But obviously what happened last week was not fun. Kind of what's as a leader, how are you going about this week in preparation for the last stretch of the season? You got to understand the tasks in front of you. Uh, you have to say last week is last week. Okay. Let's not dwell on it because it'll hinder our future. So what we got to do is got to play good on special teams, take care of the football tackle. Well. We do those three things. Now, hey, we put ourselves in the position to where when December and January come, hey, we we have the ability to focus on playing more games versus, hey, we're just going to play one bowl game and we're done. So uh, the goal has to always be the goal, and the goal is to play in the playoff, you know, to, to have a chance to win the national championship. And so the moment you take your focus off of, hey, well, we lost last week, well, Losing last week has nothing to do with the goal. So that's when it's easy to get distracted and uh, taken off track. So let's focus. Hey, you know what? Let's learn from our mistakes. Let's learn what we can do better, how we can do it better, and then execute those things. Let's put the appropriate action steps in place. And now let's go out there and play the best play possible, not football game. Let's play the best play possible. And then the next one, hey, we'll do that same thing over and over and over and over again. And we just got to out-execute people. One of the storylines in that football game for Tennessee and Georgia was the crowd noise. And those fans right. inside Sanford Stadium did a really nice job, obviously, for, uh, you know, hindering Tennessee's offense. And so I talked to Brett about dealing with that crowd noise as an offensive lineman. How do you work through it? And then something I already knew, but it really got me thinking this week. I mean, when you're at home, you know, third downs, it gets loud inside Neyland Stadium. Defense is out there having to communicate in your home stadium. How do you communicate through the noise when you want it to be loud, you want it to be amped up? But as a defender, how do you communicate through that noise? And as a linebacker, getting the signs out and the checks out and all that, when sometimes your teammates came and hear you? So, uh, and I, it's something simple that I do with my high school kids. Uh, the fourth or fifth practice, uh, when we are, we're technically in training camp, I, I have an earplug practice. So I put earplugs in everybody's ear, and you have to go out there and sign and signal every play. 
So now if, you, if you're if you not one loud and emphatic with your signal, your checks or your calls, we're gonna be, but it also makes sure everybody pays attention. And if everybody, uh, you can get, the hardest thing in the world to do is get multiple people to do one thing uh, at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, the only way you can do that is if you have everybody's uh, focus and, and attention and everybody has to be on intent on doing the same thing. And uh, I like playing the noise because it makes you focus even more because you're like, okay, I have to really look because I'm far away and the coach is giving the signal. So I like it. I think I think it helps uh, with communication, and, but you have to practice it as well. Complete sidebar here, but I, I want to see how good my memory is. When you played at Tennessee, the three linebackers were you, Kevin Simon, for the most part, Kevin Simon, and, and was it was it Carl? Was that his name? Jason, Jason Mitchell and Marvin Mitchell. Okay. Okay. Um, and it, so that was my senior year, but we had Dominique Stevenson, Keon Whiteside, Eddie Moore, Eric Westmoreland, uh, Gerard Mayo was a freshman when I was there. Yeah, I don't think who else. Uh, obviously Kevin Simon. And I linebacker you back then, man. Yeah, man, for real. We uh, I, I will still put that that the the guys that we had in that room against anybody. Yeah, hey, you know when you look at Tennessee linebackers right now, you know, Jeremy Banks has gotten so much better. I, you know he Jeremy Pruitt started putting him over at linebacker a little bit. It was a project. Right. You know, last year he was obviously really good. Had like 130 tackles, but to me, it didn't look like he knew how to play the position. Was still running under right. under blocks and. You know, not being back in coverage, all that type of stuff, overrunning plays, not playing inside out. Now it looks like it's coming together. What what have you seen from Jeremy Banks and Jawan Mitchell and Aaron Beasley, those linebackers? Because I think it's been a huge improvement from year one with Josh Hype on his staff to year two. So I think the position of linebacker comes down to a couple of things. And one of them is time at the position, okay, and urgency. And when you start to become seniors, and this is the conversation I had with uh, Jeremy and Juju as far as embrace the opportunity, man. You know, you only get to be a senior for 12 months, and that's it. You know, you only get to play – you only get to play this game for 90 days when it's all said and done. You know, you play the game for three months. So take advantage of every opportunity you get. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what? I never had it put that way. And then they just – you could tell they had such a bond. It was like, hey, you know what? We spent the time, we studied the game, and now it's time for us to grow. So from them, what do I see? Urgency, um, the willingness to play together, the the because the athletic ability is taking care of itself. You know, yeah. you, you you look at what they do, how big, strong, and fast they are. It shows. You know, it, it shows, and it, it shows in. I think it's gonna show more the more time they get at the position. So uh, I think particularly in that room, the closer those guys are, you know, the more time they get at the position, the the, the more snaps they get, they're just going to get better and better and better. Is Jeremy Banks, I'm going to try to put you on the spot here, but you play at the level, you know, does Jeremy Banks possess what it takes to make a training camp and see what happens this summer? Like he might not be drafted, but I definitely think that he's a guy that'll be in camp and will make some noise with somebody, right? Well, so you, you look at what what gets guys in the NFL, okay? Big, strong, fast, okay? Mm-hmm. Former running back, you know, so you know he's fast. Now if you could put the things that they're looking for together, hey, 
block destruction, all those things can be taught. So, and I, I told him when we were talking over the summer, like, look, here, focus on what you can control, okay? Which, what can you control? Your attitude, okay? Your effort. Now, let's go in and, and hey, if you need help, you know, diagnosing a player, you need help looking at this, hey, man, call my phone. Let me know what you, you know, whatever you need me to do, I'll be there. Um, I think you have something, he, he has something that can't be taught, and that's speed. Yeah. So okay. you, you, you can't teach speed. Like, I can teach you everything else. I can't teach you how to be fast. It's a good point. Uh, that's a really good point. He's uh, he's obviously a, a speed demon out there on defense. He's running from sideline to sideline, you know, making some plays and whatnot. Uh, for Tennessee's defense coming up later today, it's weird, man. You, you Missouri wasn't in the SEC when you played, right? So how weird is it seeing Tennessee playing SEC or uh, playing Missouri so, now? I, and I, I looked. I'm like, dang, I did forget they're in the, the SEC now. You, I think, in the world of college football, you know, things are changing. Uh, things are growing fast, you know, particularly with money, you know, moving around. I think the game, the, the games and conferences are going to continue to change. They're uh, going to continue to grow. I'm, we're waiting on a, the, the SEC is the closest thing that you have to, you know, a power conference. But what's going to happen when you get like a Texas and a Michigan and the Ohio State to go to the SEC, which I don't think they would do one, but uh, let's say it happens. You know, I think that's that's when you really start to see, you know, power conferences. And, you know, I think at some point in time, they're just going to make one power conference and do away with the rest of the smaller divisions. And then that's that. You know, it'll be like made up of the top 25 teams. And, hey, you get, that is the playoff. You know, that that is, you know, how how you define the winner. Because I, I think that's the only true way that you're, you're going to be able to have, you know, a real national championship is if you have – teams like you look at Alabama why they've been so good throughout because they play top level competition every week so when they go play you know teams out of the SE I mean teams out of the Big Ten and Big 12 it's not close Um, it's in just being very honest and candid you know that's what's holding you know though the the Texas's and the Michigan's and Ohio State's back is that after Michigan and after Ohio State, who's next in the division? So yeah. they only got to get up for one game a year. Where in the SEC, you got to get up every week because you got championship team at the championship team at the championship team. Yeah, kind of on that note, that game Ohio State Michigan that's coming up here in a couple of weeks, and I mean that, that that's the big one for for both of them. But Tennessee, on the other hand, is five and one against ranked opponents, and you know has a has a you know a challenge today in Missouri that's got a. Pretty good defense, albeit it was horrible last year. Um, I, you know, you might not have seen Missouri play at all this year. Do you have any thoughts on Missouri? Their kind of offense is not very good. Defense has gotten a whole lot better. Have you have you seen Missouri play at all this year? I, I have not seen Missouri play, uh, but what what I will, if I was coaching the team, if I was yeah. coaching the, the the Tennessee football team today, you better understand what you're playing for. Okay, you also got to understand. Hey, we got embarrassed last week. So this team is going to look to duplicate what Georgia did. Now, may, do they have athletes? Who knows? But they'll have the motivation, and that's all they need. You know, hey, all they got to do is play one play, then the next play, then the next play. They don't have to be better than you, you know, throughout the game. They got to be better than you on one play. So as long as they build on that, any team can be beat. Any team can be beat, and that's what makes any team, I don't care who it is, dangerous. 
Last thing before I get, because I'm going to ask you a bold prediction for today and a score prediction here in a moment. But I would, do, I do want to ask what your thoughts are on Josh Heupel. It's, I know Tennessee's been through the ringer with some head coaches here in this last decade, right? But man, I mean, and you know, 20 months in and and seeing where Tennessee was into where they are right now, it's a unique scheme with the offense and all that. But what can you say about Josh Heupel and your experiences with him so far as a, a VFL? Creative, you know. I, I watched Josh when he was at Oklahoma. Uh, he was actually, uh, to me, he, he was one of the more exciting. And wasn't he up for the, he was up for the Heisman too? Correct? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he threw for a, a bunch of yards. So you look at uh, anytime you have a quarterback or somebody that's played the game at a high level, they, they bring a tremendous level of creativity. So you look at what he does with our offense, how fast we score. The name of the game is putting up points, okay? Once you put up points, I got you one-dimensional. Now we just got to focus on limiting, limiting your big play. So he does a good – he plays within his scheme. You know, what's his scheme? Score points as fast as I can. Now I'm going to stretch the game out, you know, as long as I can. And you can't execute for, you know, instead of 60 plays, now you got to execute for 90 plays, 120 mm-hmm. plays. So it's just a – it's a numbers game. And – he play and he plays his game well. No, I I love it. I love it. That's awesome to hear. I, as a defensive guy, you know, I would assume that you're not a big fan of I give up 30 points, but just make one stop at the end, you get the you get the game. But hey, would you be okay with you know the name of the game? It's quarterback. It's offense. You're going to give up 28 to 30 points or whatever. But hey, create three turnovers in this football game to, to give you your to offense do. more chances. That's complimentary football right there. You got to look at the athletes, how the game has changed. You know, you don't have many teams that are going to line up in eye backs. You know, mm-hmm. Nick Saban, you know, went crazy when and talking about when his, hey, when they jumped in eye backs, we didn't know how to line up. You know, that's that's a telltale sign of where the game is now. You know, quarterbacks are really under the center. So it's hard to stop good athletes in space. I mean, it's no. really hard now. And now you've got to have such a hybrid team and you got to, it's hard to find those type of players, and then you got to do it for you know 70, 80 plays a game. It's like, look, you're asking your most offenses, good offenses are going to score 30, 40 points a game. It's just hard to stop. It's hard to stop that many athletes on the field at one time and get 11 guys to do one thing. It's hard. So, you know, you, you're going to have to be okay with giving up points. I mean, that's just how it goes. Unless you are just, you have this. NFL off NFL defensive line or NFL offensive no. line, no. Unless you have those all pro players right now in in college, it's just not going to happen. You're going to give up points. It's about timely stops and creating those turnovers to get the football back to your offense. All right, Kevin, Tennessee and Missouri coming up at noon later today. I need a bold prediction. It can be anything. You can be Hendon Hooker five touchdowns. Tennessee creates four turnovers, whatever. I need a bold prediction. Then I need a score prediction for Tennessee and Missouri. Bold prediction. Ooh, for I think we hold them 17 points or less. Three okay. turnovers. Uh, 42 points on offense. So 42 to 17 or below. Yep. I like it. Okay. All right. Good, Man, good deal. I, yeah, I'm, I'm 40, yeah, 42. Okay, I like that. I mean that 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 would be winning well, that, with some style, and you know on defense as well, that's showing some style too. So where they they were averaging fifty points a game at one point, right? Yeah, Tennessee now is averaging like forty five, I think. Or yeah, I got forty two like that. I think they bounce back with forty two and hold them to to under seventeen. I like it. I like it. All right, 
Kevin Burnett, VFL, former ball linebacker. Hey, great job, man. Anytime you want to come on and talk, let's link up again. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. All right, that is VFL Kevin Burnett, a guy that, again, you know, I grew up watching Tennessee football, watching him play linebacker number two right there in the middle. Really, really solid football player. Appreciate him and Brett Kendrick for taking the time to join us on today's episode of the VFL Players Lounge. It's every single football game day. It's your podcast talking with some former balls right here at ballquest.com and getting you set for Tennessee and the upcoming game. Of course, today it's Tennessee and Missouri. That's at noon Eastern televised on CBS, and we're going to have all the coverage for you at VolQuest.com. Hey, General Quarters, I'll have the game day thread. Come in and hang out, stop by, and chat with us during the football game. On Twitter, it's VolQuest underscore on three. I'm Eric Kane on Twitter, at underscore Kane, or you can follow me and my entire our entire team over at VolQuest.com for all the coverage, all day long, pregame, during the game, and postgame, plus recruiting as well. That's all at VolQuest.com. $1 for one year. It goes through Monday, and then it's over. After Monday, it's not going to have that big deal. There'll still be a nice little deal, likely, but it's not going to be $1 for one year. So we're just days away from that being being expired. Take advantage. If you're listening right now, you haven't taken advantage of the $1 for one year at VolQuest.com. You've only got two days left. Through Monday, $1 for one year, and then that's over. So take advantage today. It's Tennessee and Missouri, noon Eastern, coming up right here, and we'll have coverage for it on VolQuest.com. This has been the VFL Players Lounge. Big thanks to the Volunteer Club. It's powered by Spire Sports for making this all possible. Until next week, guys, enjoy game day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.